0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign in using THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, aka Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. So, of off season. How are you, from, Mason? Tired. tired. Very tired. Yeah, you've been working hard on here, on trying to wrap up that math work. But uh, it's the off season, so you know you'll have a bit of a break from here. Uh, as of now, we are dropping down to one episode a week, folks. It should be your Monday's episode. Granted, today it's a little. It got pushed back a little bit. I wanted to make sure Mason could get as much work done as he could uh, last night. But in the future, once we bank uh, a group of guests spots, we're going to I'll be able to throw out an extra episode that week. But till then, just bear with us. It's just going to be one episode. That way Mesa can catch up on everything he's behind on and, and get a little bit of a break. Let's get into a little bit of Habs news. Uh, so right after we recorded, I was editing and when I edit, I just surf Twitter and uh I come across a video of Gallagher on his TikTok, and the poor man comes home after the Stanley cup finals to find his house being robbed and good on him to make uh, a very, you know, aggravating situation. Uh, content <laughs> turns around and makes it something fun. You should
0: become a podcaster.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, definitely something you can see in the future. I mean, shit, I'll, I could see him just working with, uh, you know, video with with the Habs come. You know, when he's ready to retire.
0: Yeah, I mean that's definitely an unfortunate situation. I think for anybody, um, I've never personally had to experience that, but uh, it's definitely a devastating feeling to come home and you know, it probably feel pretty violated too. It's supposed to be your private space, your safe space, and it's been, you know, taken it's, over by somebody yeah. else. Yeah, um, man
1: i remember i was working uh during mardi gras it might have been 26. no might i had to be like 25 24 25 right uh it was me and my buddy donnie we were coming home from from work it was like 5 a.m son we got just hammered all night uh because we we had the so mardi gras has like certain days um the parades are in certain parts of the town and Anyway, it was the French Quarter. One of the days that the French Quarter had the parade. Um, and I remember we get home at 5 a.m. He's driving us home. And we pull up to my house, dude. And my wife had my call. She used to work right next to me at another restaurant. So she got home. we pull up uh, parallel to my driveway. I mean, perpendicular to my driveway. Like, basically blocking my car in. And there's somebody in my car digging in it. And I'm like, oh dude, it's cool. It's just Jacqueline getting her stuff. And no, it was a guy. And dude, he like he like slowly came out. He was fucked up. He had uh he had my Taylor Hall jersey on, like my Canadian's hat, and like a fucking wad of cash that I guess he 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 found it in the car. Probably Jacqueline's tips for the night. Um Dude just had like all my shit on and we just, I was so blown away. Like I was so like in shock. Like I didn't immediately like do anything. Like I, I just like casually walked up to him, and I was like, like, what the fuck are you doing here? You know, like, and anyway, we'll get into that story. Uh, another time. Cause we're a little short on time today, but, um, dude, I was just like in disbelief that I was seeing this happen, um, but yeah, well, I'll save that for another one. But um,
0: I mean, if you want to go ahead and tell it, you can. I've got a, have <laughs> got a follow up to it. Something happened on the weekends. If you want to tell it, go. OK, well, yeah. It. So so like I was like, dude, what do you you know, like what are you doing here? And then
1: like as soon as he went to talk, like I can tell he was pilled out and like my parish, if you watch Netflix, if you watch the pharmacist, uh, we've always had like a very bad problem with drugs. Uh, especially pills, and it, it's depressing and it's terrible. But this dude was out of his fucking box, and he was just like, "Oh, I'm just getting shit out of my car." I was like, "Dude, this is my car. That's my fucking hat." And then I was like, "That's my jersey you have on." And as soon as like that shit, like as soon as I started rambling, like I just went to fighting him, and I mean, like I couldn't put this dude down, and it pissed me off. Like we we fought him from my street, from my backyard. All the way, uh, we went to the next street, to the next street, to the next street, to the highway. Then he ran from the highway back into our neighborhood. Uh, so the cops came to my house, but we weren't there anymore. We were, like, four blocks up. Uh, <laughs> dude, like, it was so bad. I would, We chased him for, like, I'd say an hour before the cops got there. And, dude, like, I'd hit him. I'd hit him a couple of times, and he'd fall down. And I'd be like, dude, please just stay on the fucking ground. It's just me and my friend. My friend, just like basically keeping them, keeping them close, right? Like, not letting them run away. Cause dude, I'm like gassed. I'm like, dude, this is insane. Like, I've never experienced this in my life. I'd fucking hit him, he'd get, he'd fall to the ground, but I couldn't like knock him out. I couldn't like I couldn't keep him there. Dude, he would pop up and just sprint. And my buddy (laughs) would just fucking like spear him into the grass. And I'd be like, God damn it he I come fucking jogging up the street. I'm like, dude, just please stay the fuck down. He'd get up, and I hit him again. Uh, and, dude, we did that for like an hour. People were getting mad that we like onto the grass. I was like, just call the fucking cops, asshole. Like this dude's. <laughs> well, come did you to find out, back? yeah, no, I got my stuff back. But come to find out, if I wouldn't have like fucking walked him as I beat his ass like throughout the neighborhood, uh, when the cops came, we found out he had hit like seven, eight houses on my block. Like if you left your car open, he got in it that night. So like two streets had gotten hit and I fucking was able to recover everybody's shit. Let me get on. you. Yeah. Dude. The next day, my job was like, do you want to take a day off? I was like, why? (laughs) They were like, well, you know um, we heard what happened and we figured like you, you'd have troubles like closing your, your, your fucking fist and shit. And I didn't even think about it, but my fists were, like, fucking, like, almost, I wouldn't say they were purple, but they were, like, super red, turning into, like, that first shade of purple. And I was like, nah, I think I'll be all right. And then I got to work, dude, and I'm, like, trying to hold a spatula, and I'm, like, my hands oh, are shaking shit. and shit. <laughs> but I got through it.
0: I'm glad your workplace is more considerate than mine. Because I have a story from this weekend. Yeah, it's funny you bring up um, criminal. Like, I, what do you want to say? Criminal activity, fighting. Well, Saturday was working a nice eight-hour shift. It was like seven hours forty-five minutes into my shift. I'm like getting ready to leave. I'm helping new manager, who's also one of my best friends, uh, count uh, the safe. And our safe is like situated so it's like kind of next to like our you know drive-thru is like a first and a second window
1: mm-hmm.
0: right next to our first window all of a sudden the uh woman in the first window starts screaming that there's <laughs> there's this guy there's guys fighting in the drive-thru i'm like what so i peeked my head around the corner and some guy's gotten out of his car and he's just walked over as the guy's paying. So he's sitting in his car, the window's open, and grab his shirt, car, just feeding him. Just <laughs> absolutely feeding him. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? It's like some six year old man just feeding some guy, and he can't do anything. They he's have sons and four? Like... <laughs> I have no idea. So I, I just start sprinting out the back door because I'm going to go around and I'm going to go. They're like help him. Well, me and my friend were already running, so we were like running around the side of the building. And there's a bunch of cars, and like some of them can see what's happening. Other guys are like, "What the fuck is going on?" And we had to jump through the garden, and I like trip on a bush, and I like keep, <laughs> like action roll and get up and <laughs> sprint over and I come around the corner. And I'm fucking I'm shocked at this point because I come around and I'm expecting to see him just keep still feeding this guy right. And fucking my moron of a friend, Dante, is half his body's out the drive-thru window. He's holding this guy's shirt collar, (laughs) trying to stop him from hitting the other guy. Meanwhile, Buddy grabs him, and he's about to start feeding him, because what's he going to do? He's halfway out a window, right? Yeah. So I just start screaming. I'm like, you son of a bitch! Get off him! Go! Go! I'm going to beat your ass! He looks over. He sees me i'm six six one my friend mac he's he's a monster he's like six foot three like built he looks over he goes, "Oh fuck!" starts running back to his car gets in his car we go over to the guy we're like like are you okay like jesus christ like what happened he's like i i have no clue what just happened he's like i was like well do you know that guy he's like I've never seen that dude in my life. So I don't know what happened. Like, there was nothing. Like, they weren't arguing. He just got out of his car. <laughs> Jesus. And just started hitting him. He was fine. So I got a picture of his license plate. And, you know, we went through the thing. And this guy's like, oh, well, I haven't paid for my food yet. Like, I still need <laughs> to pay you guys. I was like, don't worry, man. It's on the house. Get like, the it's fuck good. out of here, <laughs> Yeah, so buddy fucking old he's this man he's old too he looks like he's like 60 but he just zooms out of the drive through oh my god i ask i asked frontier justice yeah i have no clue what's happened i'm like <laughs> so I, at this point in time i'm just like what why like there's no did he just like snap or something so we get the guy i, I like convinced this man this victim to like go into the parking lot i'm like just wait for the cops man like like, you know, yeah, just go eat your food in the parking lot. Like Yeah. And he's a little shaken. Like he's not hurt. He's just like Yeah, he's just fucking out of it. He's like, What happened? So cops get there, and I gotta go give fucking witness statement, whatever the fuck. And uh, we I uh, so I give this officer the license and he goes on it actually I thought it was so cool. It goes on his little computer in his car, types in the license, boom he's like, is that him? I'm like, yep. Some, this dude, oh my God, this mugshot of him <laughs> cracked out, man. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so I get to this, apparently what happened was buddy in front of him. This is what I understand. He, he thought the guy behind him hit his car but he actually just like braked. He braked his car too hard Mm -hmm. and it like jolted. He thought thought the guy behind him hit him. So he got out and just fucking fed him a knuckle sandwich for about a minute and a half. Jesus, dude. I, and yeah, so (laughs) that all wraps up. You know what my fucking GM says to me? Our policy is that, uh, you know, next time I just want you guys to lock the doors and don't mm-hmm. get involved. And I was like, what kind of a coward sees someone getting beat up and locks the doors? <laughs> McDonald's property has nothing to do with this. <laughs> like, dude's getting like, his ass beat. Like, what? Lock the doors. Don't let him in. I was like, you're a pussy, Dave. And yeah, he didn't appreciate that. But I don't know. I just thought. It was funny, the, uh, you know, your boss actually gave a shit. My boss told me, no, just, you know, you don't let it happen. Call the cops.
1: Yeah, my boss was also, like, my friend from high school, but... uh no, fair enough. But we'll go into shit like that another day. Uh, basically, you know, like, I never really had, like, a lot of fights in high school, like, basically in school period. Uh, But when I started working at the age of 22 in, in the French Quarter, I, like it was like high school all over again. Like I got in more fights in the five years I worked out there than I've accumulated <laughs> in my entire life. And, um, just the same thing. Like the head bartender at the time was like, you're not supposed to get involved in this. And I'm like, he's destroying one of our customers. <laughs>
0: like- yeah. It's like, if two guys are squaring off and they're, they're, it's like a, just a disagreement. Like, I, I agree. Like, don't get involved. Right. Cause like, I've squared off with my buddies. Like, boys will be boys kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But when someone's getting his fucking ass handed to him, or, like, he's not expecting it, I think, like, you kind of got to do something. Like, don't hit him, right? Like, obviously, I'm, I'm glad I didn't hit that old guy, actually, because then I would have been shit. But, like, you can't you can't just Dude. sit there and watch someone get his face pounded in. I hate that we can't get into,
1: detail like, depth on this episode. We'll, we'll have to bring it back. But I hundred percent coal cocked a, a, an old man before working in the city <laughs> he blew a bottle over somebody's head and, and we'll just leave it at that but but uh you brought up the mug shot at the guy it made me think my mom <laughs> in her ignorance they they had the dude's mugshot in the paper because apparently i was in the fucking newspaper right thank god i didn't take my fucking photo because i was lit i was so fucked up that night uh-huh. um but he looked like fucking he looked mutated like his he had like a bump that started on the top of his head all the way to like the side of his face so like he looked disfigured and i'm talking about the dude that like we chased around my my neighborhood and she had it on her fucking refrigerator and i'm like what why do you have this she was like in case he comes back around I know what he looks like. I'm like, he ain't gonna look he ain't gonna look like that. He looks fucking like mutated. He looks fucked up. He's gonna look like an average person probably now. Like you are gonna amazing. see this this at four AM, you're not gonna see a ghoul stroll into your, your, your backyard, you know like a ghoul. Jesus. That's but, uh, awesome. <laughs> let's move on. Um so
0: well yeah, I guess whoever broke into Galley's house is probably lucky he wasn't there.
1: Yeah, facts. Galli's like, I'll take another cut on the face, you know. But you know, fortunate for Gally, um, I don't think it was anything that was like that couldn't be, you know, gotten again. Like it was. Thankfully,
0: like, he's rich. Yeah.
1: Yeah. On top of that, um, but no. Um, throughout the week, since our last episode, they did the end of season media coverage, and uh, it was actually a really good one. Obviously, because you know. <laughs> Everybody's fired up around this team again. There's a lot of hope around them. And just hearing um some of these uh some of these you know A's with with media uh, between the guys was really fun. Uh one that really stuck out, Corey Perry has been a fan favorite of, of both of us and a, and a lot of the fan base has really fallen in love with Corey Perry. But um he stated that if if uh, uh, if the opportunity is there, he'd love to come back and play uh for Montreal again, I think the first thing they asked was uh, if he consider, if, if he was still going to play, and he said he still had a lot left in the gas tank, and, you know, he would be honored to, to come back for this team and play again if it's possible, and uh, I fucking love that. I, I think he's been uh, by far
0: one of my favorite uh, acquisitions of last year. Yeah, I, um, I've seen a lot of stuff like circulating about like who Montreal is going to take and who's, who we're going to keep. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of like Corey Perry, obviously. I think we all, I think every, that's pretty unanimous. Everyone wants him to return uh, him saying he wants to return. I think that's, you know, I think that's a good sign. And I think if Mark Bergevin knows what's best for the team, I think he'll bring him back on a league minimum deal. Um, But there, there's like a lot of depth guys. We've got Paul Byron who I've actually heard, could be a bio candidate and Joel Armia, there's the Drew End situation. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be, I think our team could look very different next year. Yeah. Um. One second, a little sip of water. I felt
1: so bad watching um, Paul Byron's because you, you, you know, you've been put on waivers multiple times this year. You know, you're one of the guys that can be moved and it just hurt it just hurt watching this interview because he's like, he's like, you know, I'm the, I'm one of the only guys that stays in Montreal. You know, like when the season's over, we don't leave, we've fallen in love with this city. Um, And he just, I forgot exactly how he said it, but he was just like, I can't wait till next year and I can put the Jersey back on again, like live and die for this city, you know? And I just, I hate that he's not solidified as someone that, has to stick around you know like i hate that his name is is in the hat
0: uh yeah and i think he should be someone that has to stick around i just think the problem is the aav on his contract yeah. mm-hmm. um because i believe it's a three three point yeah three point four million dollar cap hit and i don't know how many do you know how many years he has left on that um, one more up. year. I'll
1: look it up as we
0: talk. One or two, yeah, two more years on that. So that's that's why it's not his play. It's yeah. the, the the cap hit. But I, I don't know. I think Byron will return. I mean, Montreal is gonna have, like we said, I'll go on cap friendly right now. They they're gonna have more space. Um, not not just by losing people with UFAs, but even just naturally. Uh, Jake Allen makes less money next year. Mm-hmm. Uh the Carl Carl Alsner buyout, I believe, is less of a cap hit next year. It's only a million and it was a lot worse. That we're gonna have to deal with Alsner's buyout till 2023, 2024, unfortunately. Yeah. But, but at least at least it takes a significant drop um,
1: next season. Not not the one that we're about to be a part of. Twenty two, twenty three. Uh it's down
0: to eight, three. So yeah, exactly. And Eric Stahl's contract um, is gone and he was making three, three million dollars. So Montreal has about 14 and a half million dollars to play with in the off season. Uh, they're going to have to sign guys like Dano, uh, Kakeniemi, Tatar, Lekanen, Armia, Perry, um, with that money. So, <laughs> Dude. there's a lot lot of stuff Bergman's gonna have to work with I do think we're gonna have to lose someone uh may probably not retain somebody uh I guess in that group in that forward group if you have to move one guy uh who are you moving okay so this is just based
1: off of what happened during media day um I say if you could move Thomas Tatar you go with Thomas and um you know, they they didn't get into it a lot, but he was asked to, to be a part of media days he said he didn't want to be a part of it. And, you know, that's all. All I can make you do is think what, what could lead up to this. And, you know, me personally, um, it's obvious to me that it's his, you know, lack of play in the playoffs um, that the team is moving on without him. And he and he feels that, you know, um Mm-hmm. But but do they take Thomas Tatar? But granted, if if you're Seattle, you see a guy in Thomas Tatar that that gets a that gets another fresh start. Was excelled in just about every place he's been in, you know. So yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, folks, we had the most impromptu uh, stoppage in recording, uh, but we are back. Mason is now COVID shot up. Um, it is now storming here in St. Bernard Parish, but the show goes on. So, uh, Mason, to your last question you had asked, which forward I be- I thought was going to be making the move, I brought up Thomas Tatar simply because of a uh, lack of play in the playoffs, and because of you know his not wanting to be a part of media day. It just seems like he's he's aggravated with the team. This is a sadly, this is a a chance to to move him. Um, and maybe save someone who like really showed out like Paul Byron. Um, so I
0: guess um, what what do you, who who's on your top list? With Tatar, we understand the situation. We know that there's a high likelihood he doesn't return to Montreal, but we know nothing about the Drew situation. And mm-hmm. the play of Jake Evans was really a factor um, these last this last year and a half. I think Montreal is going to want to hold on to him, especially if they lose Philip Deneau. Right. And in that case, I think you have to protect Jake Evans. Now, I'm not sure if they can protect Evans without not protecting in Depends on the format they choose. But if it's a situation of, you know, needing a new place to go, whatever's going on with Drouin, I can – I know I I could see him being left unprotected or traded so that Montreal is able to hold on to Jake Evans.
1: Not going to lie, I did see some something like that and someone brought up a, a great um opinion as to why um you see someone like Jonathan Drouin move, you know, uh certain fans love him. I think it's fucked up how people treat him, you know, expecting more from him um and just using that as, as a catalyst to to say that he hasn't played too par, which he's he's played phenomenal. But, you know, this could be another chance for him to restart and get away
0: from the negativity, you know. Um, and when but I, I – go ahead. I was just I – just, I think that's who Ann Drouin is. Ann's always going to be one of those players that we've discussed before. He's always going to leave you wanting a little bit more.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: you know it's there yeah it's yeah. like Armia. Armia mm-hmm. like will play phenomenally and you just think, oh could he could he do this if he was more consistent? there's other examples on other teams like um fuck none's coming to mind right now I'm drawing a blank <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying like there's always guys who flashed brilliant yeah like and I'd say like
1: uh like who like you're the big uh, eleven million dollar defenseman out in uh,
0: San Jose, Eric Carlson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, Carlson was a bona fide superstar, though. Yeah, and injuries got him. I guess or just I would I would say almost someone like uh, out there on the West Coast, like a Burakovsky. Burakovsky's amazing, phenomenal. And you keep thinking, oh, is this guy going to really break out one year? And he never really does. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there there are players on every team who have that high level of offensive skill. And you just think there may be more. You know, they tease it. Occasionally they do something special. But they're just going to be those 45, 50-point guys. And you just kind of got to live with it.
1: I mean, the fact that you can even complain about a 45 50 point guy is is it's a little wild if you think about it but mm. that's just the fucking nhl we're in now you know like
0: <laughs> yeah really <clears throat> so yeah oh, that's sure. who i i would have moving on um okay who we uh almost to discuss some other stuff last week but honestly i'm drawing a blank as to what we said we would um speculate about i know a lot of it was involving rosters
1: yeah which Um, we were i wanted i wanted to wait till the next episode to do um like a full uh roster look uh maybe like an evaluation of of how the players did and stuff like that that way we can put a lot more time into an episode for everybody like that and then maybe get into uh the draft coming up even a little bit further detail but um, I mean, we took, we, we did a little bit of it, folks, you know, we, we took a chunk of it and talked about who we think was going to get picked for this expansion draft. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying it's going to be Jake Allen, but surprised to see it. Neither one of us said that, I mean, obviously, but we did just talk about forwards. Um, but when you bring it up, Jake Evans, so I watched his, um, his media coverage and I didn't think he had as deep of a voice as he does, and it almost just doesn't fit him. And maybe I just think that because I, it's like new to me, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Jake Jake's uh, press conference was also pretty good. Um, sadly, though, they they asked him for like the seventh time about the Shifley hit, and he's he's just like, you know, can we please move on? It's it's borderline disrespectful now he's like I just want to move past it it's a scary thing that happened in my career it's something that still scares me to this day it's something that I don't want to keep revisiting you know so they pushed it off and now hopefully that was the last time we have to um, hear a reporter bring that up I mean maybe like later in his life you know but I don't know it's been what two maybe like a month and a half since it happened and he's been asked
0: you know once once every other week. Yeah, I think moving on to next season, I'm sure we'll move past that. I'm sure there'll be conversations about Mark Shifley when we play Winnipeg next year. But um, I think hopefully there's no long-term effects. Uh, We saw Evans return, so hopefully he's okay. And I think we can just try and move past that. I think obviously that's going to be a permanent stain on Mark Shifley's career. But I don't think Jake Evans' career, and hopefully not, uh, is going to be defined by that hit yeah so um in the spirit of speculating uh next season i do think uh we kind of have to talk about maybe not some we'll save draft talks until because even i'm honestly i've normally i've been spending the last four weeks or so looking at prospects but i've been preoccupied watching this habs run lately so we'll save that till i can do some more research
1: yeah, but, we're, uh, we're a
0: bit behind on that, but I mean, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not okay like we with, were just chilling yeah. in the
1: off season. It's been, uh yeah. Well,
0: well, I mean, an no, extra no, seven weeks of just still watching the Habs, you know. Yeah, and I was actually joking around with my buddy because we're both. I'm no draft expert, but we're both really, really into the draft, and we'll we'll like we make like guys do mock drafts, right? They'll do mm-hmm. like top 10 we do like top 70 oh sick. go a little wild with it and we were both kidding around because usually like we only have to have a real deep understanding of like the top 15 for the first round Mm -hmm. but this year i've got to look at all fucking 32 of those top first round selection kind of guys so it'll be interesting right but moving on i want to talk about some ahl graduates and maybe some guys that um you're looking forward to seeing coming up and hopefully we'll see maybe making the squad but definitely attending habs camp next year okay hell yeah so i think obviously we're gonna have to start with uh your fucking boy josh brook right i think you, you you definitely want to discuss him so we'll talk about him um you know, had a pretty decent season this year with the AHL. Obviously, everything was a little um, messed up. You know, we've said that a lot lately. But Laval, you know, finished first in the Canadian division. Josh Brooke had a pretty decent season offensively. 15 points in 33 games, 13 assists. Last season, he only had um, 13 points in 60 games. So it was definitely a breakout for him. He would have finished close to 30, had almost a two-time increase in points he was on pace for. And, you know, this is what we've been waiting to see for from Josh Brooke. Um, Made his AHL debut 2018-19, only played seven games, played 60 last year. And what we saw this guy do for the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL was put up points, 75 points in 59 games this last season. 32 and 45 in an injury riddled uh, second last season for Moose Jaw. And I believe his draft here, he got 40. So this, you know, we've seen this consistently from Josh Brook, and he is exactly what Montreal needs. He shoots right. He's 6'1". He's not small. He's mobile and he can put the puck on a dime for guys. This is what Montreal, I think if they had one big need on defense, Josh Brooke was the guy. And in our top four, which we've been, so 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 happy with these this playoff run. I think that's the one thing we've been starved of coming from them. Jeff Petrie is obviously able to provide that, not only at an acceptable level but an elite level. I still think Petrie is a top ten defenseman in the league right now. But outside of him, you know, Edmondson, Chara, and Weber, they just don't provide that. And I don't think Brook is going to break the top four next year. But I think he's going to be very capable, and it's just exciting to see another young, mobile, puck-moving defenseman in our system because we desperately do need them. And uh, I think it just, you know, takes some of the pressure away from Petrie and Romanov, hopefully, next season, if he can make the team. Yeah, and uh, if you
1: look at Laval just uh, this last season, there was only two true right-handed defensemen, Kale uh, Flurry and Josh Brook. Josh Brook really stepped this game up. He was in the top three. Uh, I think he was in second. Uh, in points for for just defensemen on that team, and that this team played like out of worldly. Um, I'm just I'm just impressed with him. I'm happy to see that that his you know his development is going well because you know at 33 games you played you, just about all of them, and you know you produced easily half. You know, like if you're just looking at this this spreadsheet, half of them were positive games for Josh Brook offensively, not even looking at it as a defensive, uh, you know, outlook. But that's great to see, especially with, you know, um, especially with there being, you know, movement come because of the expansion and stuff. And, um, you know, going into next season, this team might look a bit different. It's great to know that we have another uh, right-handed
0: defenseman, you know, that's really starting to develop better. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, like you mentioned, he was second in defenseman points, second to Otto Leskinen, the, uh, oh, excuse me, sorry, the uh, 24-year-old Finnish defenseman, he went back to Joker it, um last season in the KHL, or um, or is that the Finnish league? Anyway, Joker it he's back there, he's back in Europe, he will not be playing for Montreal, he's not with the Montreal Canadiens organization anymore, yeah. but you know, I think Montreal has a lot of that kind of archetype. He's very similar to Josh Brook. He's older. If he only had two more points than him. I think it's not the biggest loss in the world. We have seen Leskinen with the Habs. He didn't really, he didn't disappoint me, but he certainly didn't impress me enough to feel it's a, you know, a big loss. Um, right. And
1: yeah. well, I wasn't, I wasn't even looking at um, at Leskinen. You got your boy uh, Toby Paquette, uh, Bisson. Who only played 28 games had set um oh never mind. I'm looking at uh plus minus. But uh <laughs> I was like, damn, this kid was fucking rolling too. But uh, uh yeah, I've definitely uh accidentally skipped over a Leskin and then saw this guy and saw 17. That's a fucking error on me. But no, um I guess that pushes Josh Brooks's, you know, even even a bit further up, even though he's not a, a, a left-handed defenseman. Uh, josh brooks is definitely right now just based off of the stats of last season the you know
0: the next best uh defenseman just waiting i think there's actually a bunch of guys you could say of the next specs i mean is but yeah, is kulak solidified in that top six now is mm-hmm. are we gonna lose one of Sherratt or edmondson i think that's a very real possibility i mean um, it'll be interesting to see what happens i think romanov will be I think he'll they'll try to slot him into the top four next season. I think you have to for his development. Oh, yeah. Josh Brooks there. And we even have guys like Kale Fleury, who was an NHL regular last season and was obviously went back played in DHL. He's more of a stay at home guy, but he is capable. And in the pipeline, you have Gian- Gianni Fairbrother and Caden Gooley, who oh, I don't my God. expect Bring to see. Bring up Fairbrother. You want to fight? Yeah. <laughs> A big hard nosed defenseman, defensive guy, definitely. And we're forgetting about not to, we're not forgetting, but haven't even mentioned my favorite prospect in the Hab system right now, Matthias Norlander, uh, mm. the Swede playing Can't in wait. the Swedish Elite League. Yeah. So it'll be exciting to see what happens. There's definitely a log jam at the defensive position, especially among the young guys, but. I'm very excited because we're going to see a lot of competition at that Habs camp. The rookie tournament should be exciting, and there's going to be a lot of talent kind of pouring into the NHL these next few seasons. So moving on from that, because I find we do often talk about discussing prospects. We talk about them a lot. We'll have more of a showcase towards – we'll talk about them more later on in further episodes. Well, before but I want before to give you a big –
1: Go, Go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say before you got to that, uh, you had brought up Romanov getting a chance to get put into the top four, and uh, it kind of goes into what Joel Edmondson said in his in his uh, his conference was they had asked him about his the future of uh, Romanov, and he said you know at twenty years old, uh, he's he's got great potential. He he you know can't wait to get to the rink every day. Um, he just said and he quoted uh, he's going to be a good player in the league for a long time. Um and he said he was looking forward to working with him over the next few years. So, you know, Joel Edmondson's just trying to stay positive. They even asked him about um, you know, the expansion coming up. He said he doesn't he doesn't want to talk someone let me just say this. Someone had the dumbass idea to ask Joel Edmondson um if he had talked to Mark Bergevan about, you know, what what was he gonna go with the eight and one? Or, you know, the standard oh, uh, save. And he was just like, I'm not going to ask Mark Bergevin that. He's going to do what, what he wants, you know. But, uh, you know, Joel Edmondson, just like everyone else, is just keeping that out of their mind as much as they can and just looking forward to the next season with this team. And if things change, things change, you know. But uh,
0: Personally, I do believe. I um, think Joel Edmondson locked in his spot. Yeah, Joel Edmondson was phenomenal. I thought Ben Chirot really picked it up in the Oh my playoffs, god, in the playoffs. Let's not was, forget. Super glued tried it. Yeah, let's not forget how he was in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Not to mention he's older, and I'm gonna quickly take a look at his cap hit. Just bear with me a second. I believe they're very similar, but yeah, they make the exact they make the same um they make yeah, the ben same Chiroz, cap three five and first. so is but, yeah but sorry Joel Edmondson is signed for longer term as well yeah so I just think it makes more sense to if you're not going to protect one of them you don't protect Ben Sherratt um but moving back to my point because we're talking about forwards and we've talked about Caulfield coming up KK Suzuki Jake Evans even we talk about all these young guys and I often refer to him and you know, kind of we I think we both have on the show. It's kind of our forgotten prospect, and that's Ryan Paling. Ain't
1: forgotten by Ryan the guy. <laughs> I
0: can't no. wait. Ryan Paling obviously broke into the NHL with a like some fury. Okay, that four-goal game was incredible. I watched that live, it was amazing. Now injuries have kind of taken a toll on him he got injured last year went back down to the ahl lost his spot to jake evans the ahl this year after losing his spot to evans again in the nhl he you know kind of bore bore down and said okay fuck it i'm gonna go off 25 points in 28 games 11 goals only two penalty minutes Unfortunately, as is the case often with Ryan Paling, he suffered another season-ending injury, didn't get to finish all the games with the team, but he only missed five. Look, I am I'm a big fan of Ryan Paling, I'll be honest. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he really could develop into a third line center, but I'm more hopeful, or sorry, a fourth line center, but I'm more hopeful he could be a third line winger. Yes, yes. And I'm really, really excited to see him get a shot next season. I think he deserves it. People forget this guy was a first-round selection in 2017. He's done his time. Not every guy breaks into the NHL right away. He's only 22 years old. He's 6'2", 210, left, left-handed shooter, which among our forwards is a rarity. It's um Not often you see it, but Montreal actually has more right shots on forward than they do left which is not very common. So we desperately need left-handed shooters. And I just, just, I love his game. He's fast, he's big, but he's not Josh Anderson. He's not, you know, he's not going to go quiet, not score for a bit. I wouldn't really classify him as a power forward. He does have a lot of skill. And I just think a third line, you know, third line wing next season, he could saw it in there nicely, whether that's replacing Byron or someone, I think playing him next to Cockney ME, um, if Dino stays, that is, and he's on the third, I just think we could see a lot of potential for some good chemistry there. Yeah, there's eight uh,
1: forwards that are left-handed right now, but three to four of them might not even be with this team next year. So uh, that would definitely be someone. Well,
0: we're like, talking about Tatar what's leaving. We're talking about Tatar leaving, and he's mm-hmm. a lefty.
1: Yeah, that's he was he was he was in on that. Um, but no, you brought it to my attention last season when we were talking about uh, potential lineups, uh, and you mentioned putting Paling on on the wing. And you know what? This kid's grinded. He's been brought up. He showed he's he's capable. Goes back. You know, just continues to just grind. So I think if you if he get comes in on the wing, so be it. You know, you, I I doubt you're gonna you know, say something negative about making it to the show again, you know, so this is the perfect time for him to jump on the wing too, with such talent, all that, you know, that could be on every fucking line, you know, you know, this, this might be what keeps you in the league, you know, on this team. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to see Ryan Paling on, on the wing and um, you know, yeah, he does suffer a lot of, well, well, some game, you know, series season ending injuries. But uh, maybe taking him off of off of center might might mm-hmm. help him out on that a little bit more. You know, he's he's just playing more of a he's not as much uh, ling- lingering back and stuff like that. You know, he's gonna get banged up against the boards a bit. But I, there's potential for Ryan Paling, and if if me, moving him into the league as a as a left or right wing
0: brings him in, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and I think. I could be mistaken. I, I do think there's potential for him to play center. I just don't think it's what Montreal needs. And he's shown his quality as a winger. It's much easier to move from yeah. the center of the ice to the edge of the ice. And, you know, a lot of people I think are very done with paling. They think he's washed. They think he might be a bust. I I just full-heartedly disagree. This is a guy who... I think you just proved to it go. to us. Like... Yeah, and he captained the U.S. junior team to a silver medal. Uh, his last year junior junior eligibility, only two years ago, won forward of the tournament, eight points in seven games. As a, um underager, he had five points in seven games on the U.S. gold-winning team. So I think Ryan Paling, you know, it's consistently shown that he is a big-game performer. He can compete. He's been ahead of his peers. And I think, you know, right now he's just on – the regular curve. Not everyone is a Cole Caulfield. Not everyone mm-hmm. is a Nick Suzuki or KK that they break into the league right away. People take time. We've seen Jake Evans, who is almost 26 years old, leaves 25 this year. Getting his break finally. Yeah. And man. breaking into the NHL. So um,
1: it's also a good idea to
0: have him. Cause like, if you put him on the
1: wing, you know, he knows how to play center. You know, that's his true, that's his true position. Face someone, off, guy Someone too, gets bro. hurt. Yeah. Great face off guy. Someone gets hurt or, you know, sadly, if that does happen, you know, you have someone competent in doing it. But also I'm thinking of it as the dot, you know, he's not going to be next to the no or anything, but we get moved off the dot. The dot. Boom. We're bringing in another true, you know, a true sentiment. Like, I think that's one thing that I, I've taken away from this season is that, you know, I just want us to perform better on on faceoffs and stuff like that, and having him as a, as a potential winger, you know, our percentage should be able to go up just based off of that because, you know, more or less at least twice a game you might get removed from the dot just from, a, you know, jumping too early or anything like that. So
0: mm-hmm. and I, think, then, I think this is a great opportunity. Yeah, and the second forward that I am really, really excited for coming out of the AHL is – uh, Jordan Wheel. I didn't he he went to KHL too, didn't he? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, would be uh Jesse Alonen. Mm, okay. Put up and was this his just let me double check. I believe it was his first year with Laval. Yep. First year with Laval, put up 17 points, 29 games. He is only 20 21 years old, drafted the same year KK was, was line mates with him in junior. And uh, this guy's been playing pro hockey for a very long time since 2018, 19, or no, since wait, no, since 2016 he's been playing pro hockey. So (laughs) this guy has got it done in the Finnish uh, Finnish Elite League, Finnish Second League, now the AHL. He is a I wouldn't say a hyper skilled guy, but he's definitely a skilled forward put up big points with Finland, playing with Kotkaniemi at the World Juniors, nine and six points in seven games respectively. Um, I just, I think he's perfect for KK's wing. He's a right winger. I think Palin can slot in on the left. Obviously, it's kind of a young line. You're worried about that. But the chemistry is there with Kotkaniemi. And, you know, I think... You would
1: think that the chemistry between um, Yassi and... Paling might be up just because of the phenomenal year they
0: had. So that well, yeah, could be a dominant wanna, line as it is. I want to clarify Yolonin isn't just a product of Kakanyemi. He was drafted in the second round, but he was drafted 35th overall. This was a borderline first round selection. Yeah. It was and, all about three <laughs> three picks. <laughs> yeah, like he could have easily gone in the first round. Um, he possesses an amazing shot, a good a good snap shot. And you know he can. I wouldn't say he's an elite skater. He's pretty mobile. Not a small guy either. Six one. Not the biggest, but provides size. He's not going to get pushed around out there. And I think the reason I keep bringing it back to KK is because yes, there's that added chemistry. And the the second we drafted Yulonin, I was thinking about how they played together at the World Juniors. I think that definitely played a role in Montreal selecting him, but also the idea of inserting two young guys, skilled young guys with KK, I think is what needs to be done. I think it's something that hasn't been really been attempted in Montreal. Um, We've kind of left KK with talented Paul Byron. Yes. Um, Who else did uh, KK play with? That's the thing. Armia, sometimes I just don't Mm -hmm. think they're not. They're No, not. Yeah. They're not those. I wouldn't classify them as skilled forwards. We've seen how pairing Nick Suzuki with skilled forwards like Caulfield, Anderson to has really helped him. And, you know, KK just really hasn't played with guys his own age. He's played with veterans. They've really sheltered him. I think putting him with young guys where he is the veteran, it'll be his fourth NHL season. You know, you got to stop sheltering him. He can shoulder a lot of that responsibility. He can make passes. They're going to be creative with each other. I just think, it's something that needs to be attempted. I don't know if Montreal will attempt it, but if if I'm a coach and I'm looking at these two young guys, I would I would love to see them play together in uh, the preseason and see if something magic can happen because it's been there in the past, and I think it just it is a thing, right? Like young guys tend to just play well together if they they connect and they're you know you're with your peers. I'm not saying, you know, Corey Perry can play with um Nick Suzuki a few games and make some nice plays. But at the same time, I think that, that partnership, that camaraderie, it does definitely grow a little bit quicker and a little bit easier when you're on the same wavelength. You guys are thinking the same, you know what the other's going to do.
1: Yeah, and then um you would think just I mean, look at look at Cole and uh Nick right now, you know, it's got like, yeah. it, it's got to be really, you know, like um like uh motivational like like your momentum is is much higher you're excited you're playing you know two of y'all are, are the you know are the next best thing and they're letting you do it together you know so you're you're growing the futures you know teamwork together at such a young age why not bring it in with, with KK mm-hmm. KK kind of took you know the back seat to so Nick Suzuki coming in but it's time to give him a bit of the youth a bit of the guys his age to start to develop that friendship and that camaraderie that we'll see in the next, you know, five, five to seven years when they're all, you know, veterans, they have,
0: they've been playing on each other's line for years, you know, or, or. At yeah, least... exactly. You're growing something here. We made the Stanley yeah. cup final, but I don't foresee us being back next season. Still a young team you're building for the mm-hmm. future. If you can win now, that's great. That's a bonus. <clears throat> but I think at the end of the day, we are, we're developing for the future. And I'd like to point out to, you know, Yelonen and Paling might both be young, but they're not 18 year old kids. Yelonen's played pro hockey for almost six years now. Paling's had three seasons of AHL and NHL experience. I think you could really realistically put together a really, really nice line there. And um, even if they don't break out, like you've got these young guys pushing these older guys. I'm really excited for next season. I think it's a very big possibility we see either or or both of those two forwards who I mentioned break through, um, especially, you know, with the moves I'm sure Mark Bergevin going to make. He's never, ever quiet at, you know, we always say, oh, we haven't heard anything. And then Bergevin Mm -hmm. makes a move. So it'll be exciting to see, uh, what goes down? I was actually researching about uh, Joel Bouchard, who I was going to bring up next. But um, I mean, we can talk about that. We can we're going to go more in depth into uh, prospects and stuff as we mm-hmm. get closer to the draft. So if you want to just discuss the Joel Bouchard news, we can definitely do that.
1: Yeah, because I, did, I didn't I didn't want to forget it on this episode. But um, Joel Bouchard goes and takes the uh, the offer to go be the head coach of what is that San Diego goals? So that's the Anaheim Ducks AHL, AHL squad. And, um, he said that, you know, it, uh, it wasn't that he didn't like playing with, you know, well coaching for Laval. He coached for two years, his first year, they were a bit under 500. And then last year, you know, top of the, top of their, uh, conference and stuff like that. I think what, 30 and 24 last year, 62 games, but, um, he said that they really just uh it wasn't it wasn't the the money wasn't just that you know he he said that it it seemed that they really wanted him and you know we've we've taken that as you know with Anaheim just really in the muck right now trying to figure out what they want they got all these prospects that that they acquired last year um they'll be coming you know into the league soon and they've done run through i believe three coaches in the last Two years, two three years that um, he's got a, a lot better shot now with with Anaheim than he does with Montreal with um, with Dom Dusseau now losing the interim tag on his you know over over his position, you know will he stay? Will they bring someone in? It's not really brought to our attention yet, but that tag has been taken off and you know Joel Bouchard is is taking respectfully, you know, his next step to his next his, his next career choice. You know, his you know, he's trying to get to the next level. And if a team really, really fucking is trying to, you know, show that they want you, I don't blame him for taking that. You know, they they got some great um kids coming up in the farm leagues that, you know, Anaheim could really come back into, you know, a domination, you know, uh position in the west
0: yeah i think it's definitely upsetting um, from a Montreal perspective I think Joel Bouchard is someone you don't want to lose and we've talked about this before we lost Julian breeze Tampa just won two straight cups um <clears throat> i don't know i think losing Joel Bouchard really does mean if you're Mark Bergevin you have to hold on to Luke Richardson and you can't let go you don't want to lose talented coaching staff like that um I don't know. I'm kind of of a, I'm not gonna, I can't really speak to the decision. It's not my call. I don't have any right to say, oh, I don't agree with Joe Bouchard moving. Um, I think it would be less upsetting if he had gotten an assistant coaching job in the NHL or a head coaching job, as opposed to just moving to another head coaching job in the AHL. Um, you know, hopefully it was just a matter of like you said, um, he saw an easier path to the NHL through Anaheim. But it does definitely kind of make you wonder, oh Bergevin how are you not able to hold on to that? Right. So yeah, it's a little it's a little frustrating, but you know, it is what it is. And you know, at the end of the day, maybe that was the best decision for his family. Um, who knows? But we'll have to see uh where Montreal goes from here, I don't really know the candidates they have in mind. So yeah, and and I'm far I'm far from upset with him taking taking the decision.
1: Like, you know, this is your opportunity. Life, you right? gotta you gotta do it. Um, it's just it, it when I look at it, he was like, um, I mean, he was in the uh, QMJ the the core back one Jesus QMJHL. Uh, thank you. He was in he was in that for I think he was like four years an assistant and then four years as a head coach. So you know I'm sure him being able to notice the development of a younger player, you know, seeing potential in him is probably like a key a key note to him. I mean it. There's a there's a reason why Laval, you know broke out this season. It was you know probably him putting the right, the right people together and, and noticing trends and stuff like that. I just think that it was a valuable person we had lost, but Dale Weiss thinks otherwise. Um, and in a couple of weeks, he said he's going to speak on, on his belief as to why he was, he did not want him anywhere near our, our pool of, of talent coming up. But Dale Weiss didn't like Joel Boucher. No, Dale Weiss um, put in his podcast, that he did not want him anywhere near the Montreal Canadiens. Really? Yeah. Like I said, people Why? see did he did he play for Joel Bouchard. I don't think so. But 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 might have. But Jake, Jake uh Jake Evans did, and Jake, yeah, Jake Evans, Evans said, loved him. yeah, he said in the press conference that I think that was actually what was the next question that deterred away from mm-hmm. the Shifley stuff. And he just really, you know, passionately said, you know, like he helped so much with my development. He wouldn't be here without, without Joel Bouchard. Um, So it's like yeah, you get two different, you know, sides
0: of it, but. We did play with uh, Joel Bouchard in the HL. Yeah. Interesting. But, yeah. Who uh, that, that's who knows. I I think from an outside opinion, it looks like he's done a pretty solid job. Montreal's had a lot of guys coming out through the system. HL team came first. I mean, it's a lot better than Sylvain Lefebvre or however I, mm-hmm. I really, that that name, it's the one French name I cannot pronounce. <laughs> Lefebvre. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it is a loss. We'll have to see what we says in the coming weeks. But I think that's probably going to wrap things up today, unless you had anything else to add. No, I think that's a good stopping point.
1: Um, I'm looking at the calendar. Uh, we're getting I think what it's not it's not next week. I believe it's the following. But yeah, hopefully uh, next episode will Jesus know it is next week. We need to dive <laughs> we need to dive in next Monday on on uh maybe a little bit more of the expansion um and see if there's any new trends, any new drama rumors coming up uh during this week that could really high you know highlight our, our possible choices. But uh, no, I think this is it. And
0: if you don't have anything, I'll gladly close this out. Yeah, I am I think I've said what we need to say for this week and turned it into a longer episode than I anticipated. So. Oh, shit. DeNo <laughs> signed.
1: He's got a sign. And then he's immediately getting pizza sponsorships. They brought it up in in his press conference. And he said that he there were offers, but – his mind was set on on winning and and playing his game, but he said now that the season's over, he's open. <laughs> he's open for, for the for the uh you know for the possibility to come back around. So yeah, uh, you know, being a that. promoter of a pizza company is definitely about to happen, and it's he's still going to be with Montreal to make it happen. But other than that, yeah, that's that's the last thing I had written down. But uh, folks, thank y'all so much for listening um sorry it's it's just a bit late uh we're dealing with weather and mason is cramming for school right now which is what he's supposed to do don't be like me mason um but folks thank y'all so much for listening like i just said uh please follow us on twitter at habs nightly and bayou benders Uh, oh my god
0: sorry mid-closing uh the edmonton oilers are sending Caleb Jones and a third or fourth round pick in exchange for Duncan Keith. Are you serious? Yeah, there it is. Holy shit! <laughs> that, that's oh, it's a tough day for Oilers fans. But
1: God, Chicago had reportedly floated defenseman Ethan Bear and or
0: Ryan mecleod in a in a potential return. Woo alo jones and a third is a steep price to pay for that old man and his contract but (laughs) unfortunately we'll have to talk about it next week well you
1: know what it ain't our fucking team so you know it ain't it ain't our money but uh (laughs) thank y'all so much for listening this has been Half nightly we'll talk to y'all next time
0: you're listening to the hockey podcast network new shows every day find us at the network.com or wherever you get your podcasts from uh, you know what? I, i'm I, just I, so I, heated because
1: of what what you're telling me because i i do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute
0: to a good macaroni you're putting powder. No no no. Mac do- macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for KD. God. <laughs> oh my god, go to go to Italy. If and you crack ask open some fucking. No 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 no. no. no no no. If you ask any Canadian would they rather have macaroni or KD, they will tell you KD is the best, it is superior, it is a fucking national treasure and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country, with my co-host Corey, a Southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we've still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a
1: kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed blue Blanc every week, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm.
0: Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese.
1: Get the fuck out of here. You put ketchup Um, on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid.
0: Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly.
1: You guys have a great one.